This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Caroline Gonzalez and Ashley Amos. I cannot believe it. It is Friday yet again, the first Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report in 2019. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos. Ashley, how was your New Year's? It was great. You know, uh, I worked the Pelicans game Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it was... That was pretty much the summary of my New Year's, yeah. Um, but I did, uh, my sister was in town, so I, I made it over there. I think I had a, made it over there around like 11.50. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a glass of champagne and uh, toasted in the New Year. Got to celebrate New Year's Day, went to the Sugar Bowl. That was a lot of fun. Watched my LSU Tigers pull it out in the Fiesta Bowl over the defending national champs UCF. Uh, but yeah, no, overall, great New Year's. How was yours? It was, it was pretty good. I mean, I have kind of a tradition of ordering Chinese food and just like hanging out on my own and bringing it, bringing in the new year on my own, just kind of reminiscing on the new year and uh, what I am looking forward to. So that's kind of always been my tradition because we always had practice at 9am the next day so that we didn't go out. So uh, I've never been a real big go on bourbon or anything uh, new year's person, but it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, the Pelicans game, like you said, that ended around 1030 and then we didn't really have a whole lot of time before the new year. So it was fun. It was fun. Good. Well, we have a packed show for everyone today. We have Sean Fazan from Fox 8, and we have Angel Gray coming on to talk to us about the Cavs and Pelicans matchup we'll see on Saturday. The Cavs do play tonight against the Utah Jazz, so if you want to catch that game, download Game Pass or whatever you want to do to watch that game. I'm sure it'll be interesting. Um, but there was a lot of NBA basketball mm-hmm. last night, uh, Ashley. There was a lot of basketball in general, um, especially in the NBA. Rockets, Warriors, and then there were Spurs, Raptors. Were you able to tune into the action? Oh, yeah. I thought uh, last night was a great night for NBA basketball. Obviously, with Spurs, uh, Raptors, you have Kawhi Leonard returning to the Spurs, getting booed. Uh, DeMar DeRozan going up against his old team. You know, I don't know. As Kawhi Leonard, if I, I, I want to ask you this. As a basketball player, mm-hmm. if you walked into an arena and people booed you and then you're at the free throw line and people tra- are chanting traitor at the top of their lungs, what would that uh, do to your psyche? Well, <laughs> it would mess me up for sure, especially at the free throw line. But there's there's two sides to this, right? There's the player perspective and then there's the fan perspective. So as a player, you're doing what you can for yourself. You're mm-hmm. doing you're doing whatever's best for you. I don't know the situation of him in the Spurs. I don't know, you know, why he was upset with them. I don't know why he had all those problems, but um, nevertheless, he did what he needed to do for himself and that's why he ended up in Toronto. So, um, and at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard brought the Spurs a championship. So how, as a fan, do you yell, you know, and say traitor and boo that man? And again, as a fan, I understand because you're upset with him for sitting out for the whole year and you're upset with him for leaving your franchise. But as a player, you have to kind of tune that out and realize, hey, I did what was best for myself. And at the end of the day, I'm happy with where I am now. I mean, it's a business. Mm -hmm. It's a business. And you look, I thought it was cool at the end uh, when Pop went up to him and kind of said, like, he made that comment about, you know, he had to do, I have a lot of love for him. Mm -hmm. Like, he had to do what was right for him in his career. Career and I have a lot of respect for that too. I also thought, okay, can we just talk about the Warriors Rockets for a second? Oh like, my gosh. if if the Warriors would have won with that KD out of bounds play, <laughs> like I, I literally I saw they would have never oh lived my gosh, it down. Chris Paul's comment about are we doing the bird box challenge in the NBA now? That was 
phenomenal. That was great. But did you also see the Shaq in a fool with Shaq? Yes. Yes. And she had this little like five foot six man <laughs> leading him with a blindfold and Shaq just tackled him like three times, which is awesome. But yeah, the game was absolutely insane. Um, I honestly didn't go to sleep until three o'clock because my adrenaline was running so much <laughs> that I was just like, well, I can't go to sleep now. So what am I supposed to do? The basketball game's over. But um, yeah, it, it was a very exciting name. And man, ice in his veins, James Harden. That was in- insane. Hey man, the Rockets are making a little run, you know, mm-hmm. started off real slow. People yeah. were really concerned and now they're a contender mm-hmm. well outside of the nba did you watch the yukon versus baylor women's basketball game i missed that no so uh you baylor defeated yukon um i believe it is a first road loss for yukon since 2011 wow i missed that yeah, so wow, that okay. was that was pretty insane uh big news on women's basketball front so yukon as we know is like the pillar of women's mm-hmm. college basketball so for them to be defeated uh you know our colleague john DeShazer asked me earlier do you think they cried you know talking about the yukon women's basketball team and i was like honestly no because if you're yukon you have to know that you there's a target on your back and they've had that target on their back for as long as I can remember. So, um, you know, it had to, it had to happen at some point. Do you think you're like a little relieved, honestly? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, a, like, start over. like, oh, okay, we finally lost. Now we don't have to worry about that record anymore. Yep. Kind of let's just go play basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. Now it's just nobody's keeping track anymore. I mean, the tally starts over, and I'm sure they'll probably win the national championship again. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. There has to be some relief. Um, speaking of relief, the Saints have had a bye week this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of been some weight off of their chest. They don't have to compete this weekend in the wild card playoff weekend. Um, but it's been a bye week for them, and there's been some kind of a nice vibe around the office. What's it been like for you? You know, this is my fifth season with both uh, the teams, and uh, my first three seasons were seven and nine, so we weren't playing, or this this time was off season. Mm-hmm. You know, you were really um, transitioning your focus over uh, to the off season, and then obviously for the employees over to just uh, solely the Pelicans. But, uh, you know, last year was really the first taste of what it's like to be, to make a little run in mm-hmm. the playoffs and have that vibe and excitement. You know, for me... It's so interesting because obviously I was a fan first. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up a fan, um, have been a diehard Saints fan my entire life. And so the vibe around the office, it's, I mean, obviously it's a little bit more relaxed, but there's all these, I'm I'm, I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like every emotion, like you're like excitement. You don't want to think too far ahead. You've got this big game, but then you're, you know, uh, for a department, you have to plan ahead mm-hmm. so that you can have content ready right. if we go, you know, to the next game. And so it's, gosh, I don't know. I mean, like, it's it's a fun time. It's an exciting time. Definitely way better than, you know, not having anything to do right. at this time this, this year and watching everyone else play. But I think this weekend will be interesting. I mean, obviously, it's exciting because it affects who we're going to play. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you know, as like, like the Saints players said, this was a great week for them to focus on themselves yep. and correct some things and kind of reflect. And then next week, I think is going to be a different type of focus, like a different type of just like zoning in, you know, your opponent, you can mm-hmm. prepare for them. Um, you've got ga- guys back healthy, hopefully, and um, can really start to gear up for the big uh, uh, divisional game. 
Absolutely. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Sean Fazan, but I'm kind of with you. Even when we went on that long winning streak, I was kind of just, I didn't want to jinx anything. You know, I didn't want to say like, oh, well, the Saints, how long will the streak go for the Saints? And now, of course, you have people talking about the Super Bowl. They have, you know, especially my parents and friends and family. And I've kind of just been like, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to jinx it. So um, it's been a fun environment. And I'm just, I'm ready for this weekend to see, you know, who will, who they'll play. Uh, next week. And like Sean Payton said after the Carolina game, you know, you're either all in or you're out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You your focus is either all in and you go out and you do you your job and win the game or you're all out. And I think you can't just come in and obviously I don't think any guy on that team is going to come in half, you know, half in. Mm-hmm. You know, there I think everybody's coming in with a mindset of we need to do our job, we need to take care of business and you know, we have ideally three more three more W's on our schedule. Absolutely. So. Well, let's go ahead now and go to Fox 8, Sean Fazan. Sean, I have to say this is my first time talking to a <clears throat> self-proclaimed uh, national champion. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, I think the Tigers got that win. Now they're back on track, and I think 2019 will be a good year for them. Yeah, Joe Burrow's coming back, right? I, I thought he would he would leave for sure, but I'm su- kind of surprised he's coming back. He'll be back, and I think he'll be kind of the, the, the lead guy for a 2019 LSU team. He's uh, a senior, and uh, I got it kind of settled into his role as LSU quarterback. Absolutely. Well, Sean, let's go ahead and start talking about these Saints. So um, big weekend ahead for the NFL playoffs. We'll see the Seahawks play at the Cowboys and the Eagles play at the Bears. Um, And of course, everyone knows by now, if the Bears beat the Eagles, the Saints will host the winner of the Cowboys and Seahawks. And if the Eagles beat the Bears, then the Saints will play the Eagles. Uh, Sean, I have to ask you, who would you rather see out of these three teams for the Saints? Yeah, you know, I've been asked that quite a few times now. And as I looked at the matchups and I looked at, you know, the, the potential of, uh, of who the Saints could play, I got to go with the Cowboys. And I know the Cowboys beat the Saints earlier this year. But, man, that was a, that was a really kind of an ugly game. And you just, you just got to think that the Saints wouldn't play that poorly uh, inside their own building for the playoffs with the you know, hostile who that nation behind them. Um, I think they match up fairly well with them. I know – uh, Cowboys linebackers are certainly uh, the best duo in the NFL, and they did well, uh, you know, the last time they played. But still, I think the Saints would certainly learn their lesson. They have a little bit of vengeance on their mind as well. Um, I would say the Cowboys out of those three, but I, I honestly, I like their chances against all three teams. But of the of those three, I would say bring on the Cowboys. I feel like there's uh, there's there's factors at play that could uh, that could help the Saints. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say the Cowboys, especially, you know, I understand that the Saints didn't play their best game against the Cowboys, but they stopped the Saints 8 of 11 times on the third down. They didn't really get a lot of yardage, and like you said, that the linebacker duo kind of gave the Saints uh, some problems, but uh, the Saints have had this week to kind of fine-tune those fundamentals and kind of kind of get their offense back to where they want them to be, but do you think the Saints, uh, after a week off, and after watching the film from the last Cowboys games, do you think they'll the offense will be able to have the game that, that they're capable of having in the Superdome? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think ultimately uh, what you saw in that game, I didn't think Drew was as sharp as he normally is. I didn't think uh, you saw a struggling uh, wide receiver court a good preparation, and in the playoff game you're likely to have Tenton back, which could certainly help loosen up that secondary a little bit. 
Uh, I think at home, this offense is a little bit of a different animal. We saw it when they played Pittsburgh um, versus the three straight road games that they had. So uh, I think from a matchup standpoint, and Sean Payton is, is just that good of a coach where uh, he's not going to lose the exact same way mm-hmm. uh, to the same opponent. So he's, he's going to tweak his game plan. He's going to tweak uh, uh, the best way to exploit the Dallas team. And I think defensively, if you look at the way the Saints played, they really played well against Dallas, really right. played well enough to win that game. And I, and I do think that matchup favors the Saints as well. And you have to – I'd put my eyes on Sean Payton in the offense bouncing back against Dallas as opposed to uh, them coming back and kind of uh, playing as poorly as they did in, in week, was it 12 or 13? I'm not exactly sure which week it was. But still, I think overall you'd see a, kind of a refreshed look uh, by the Saints offense and just that, that same kind of look uh, from their defense. Absolutely. You mentioned the defense, and I looked back, and I was kind of surprised when I saw how well the Saints defense did. I, You know, there's been so many games I, I didn't remember, but Marshawn Lattimore had 10 tackles and Demario Davis 11. Demario Davis, someone that I don't think has gotten enough uh, recognition. I mean, he's got some, but he's just been absolutely phenomenal for the Saints defense this year. Absolutely, and every down linebacker who can cover and obviously plays the run well as well uh, has a ton of tackles and has really blended in well with this locker room for a newcomer. I mean, I remember talking to him about week seven or week eight. We do our sit-downs every week, and he was one of our guys. And I, I, I struck him. I told him, I said, it struck me how it almost feels like he's been with the team for five or six years now, and he's only been there. It's only his first year. It's just, he's blended in so well. He said, you know, I'm back home in the South. He said, there's just a vibe. I, I really enjoy it. It's a great locker room, and he's really blended in well. And, and I think you're right. I think he's probably one of the more underrated signings, not just with the Saints, but around the NFL. I think he's been had, had that much of an impact, and I think the Saints linebacker core uh, in general might be an underrated group around the NFL. Absolutely, I agree. Well, Sean, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks, who the Cowboys will go against. Uh, Russell Wilson, and it seems like the Seahawks are clicking at just the right time. They, it wasn't um, too sure in the beginning of the season, but I feel like they're clicking right at the right the right time. They lead the league in rushing yards per game at 160, but they'll go against a Saints team who finished second in the regular season in rushing defense. Is this an area where you'd rather th- see the Saints be challenged because you're confident that they can handle it? I think the numbers would show you that this is a good matchup for the Saints, but they have the Seahawks have one thing that you can't necessarily account for, and that is the uh, the play. You can never underestimate the play of a, of a of an elite quarterback, and Russell Wilson is that. He's clutch, especially especially in the playoffs. He's just a hard guy to beat, um, and he can he can kind of make those magical plays out of nothing. And I think that that's the unpredictability of a Seahawks team that's playing well, as you said. P. Carroll's done a tremendous job with a with a roster that's lost a ton of household names. I mean, other than Bobby Wagner, they don't really have uh, a whole lot in terms of, of big names um, uh, defensively. So um, this is a team that numbers-wise, matchup-wise, you'd say, oh, well, this is a great matchup for the Saints. But I would disagree just because they have the X-Factor and Russell Wilson who's capable of taking over a game, uh, and, that's, and, and that's even with a, a, him playing a great defense. So to me, this is the matchup I fear the most mm. in the Seattle Seahawks because you can never underestimate a team that's that's coming in hot uh, and a team that's got a quarterback that's capable of taking over a game. Yeah, you mentioned what Russell Wilson, uh, and the Saints have allowed 57 20-plus yard passes this year and 14 40-plus yard passes. Mm-hmm. So they, you know that they're susceptible to the long ball. Do you think Aaron Glenn and the secondary have had enough time to prepare if they face the Seahawks? Yeah, I think they will. Um, and I think you can get that bonus day of preparation on that Monday because – the second they find out who they're playing, they're going to 
kind of get into to, to, uh, you know to game planning mode. I, I would think the coaches have kind of done some advanced scouting uh, on e- all three of these teams just to kind of get everything ready, and then uh, add in the last game to, to, to figure in who's the, the actual opponent's going to be. Um, and I and I do know they go into this game with the idea that they know their vulnerability is the big play uh, at certain times. It's crept up on them a little bit. Uh, I do think they're in a little bit of a better position to guard it now than say earlier in the season. Um, but still, it's it, it's a um, it, it's a way for an opponent to attack uh, the Saints defense. I will say this: um, at home uh, with the, with a pass rush that's gotten a lot better this year, and, and four line elite with Cam Jordan and, and Sheldon Rankins and the rest. Uh, I think that could certainly help the back end as well. Absolutely. Um, well, Sean, certainly, but uh, last but certainly not least, excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints faced Carson uh, Carson Wentz-led Eagles team uh, earlier this year, but now they'll most likely face a Nick Foles-led Eagles team um, which is a completely different team, it seems like, than the, than the Saints uh-huh. matched up against earlier this season. Absolutely. That was, This is a game where it would not be as easy as it was when the Saints took it to him, was it 48-7 earlier in the season? Mm-hmm. And really, the dome was rocking that day. And, uh, you know, former St. Malcolm Jenkins had, uh, you know, the, the, the one-finger salute to former coach Sean Payton, which was interesting. But, um, <laughs> I, I look, it, it's so weird because you had a, a, an MVP candidate last year and Carson Wentz went down. They still made the run to the Super Bowl. And then when he went down this year, it's almost like that fan base felt better with Nick Foles, yep. who was a guy that just – He's somewhere between a quality every week starter and one of the best backups in the NFL. But when he's in a tight window, he can he can really be, play at an elite level, and he's doing that in terms of making the right decisions, executing the right plays. And I think defensively, that team's got a little more confidence. They're rolling right now, and you can never underestimate, as they say, the quote unquote heart of a champion because they're at hard out. They're not easy to take out. I mean, they were left for dead a couple of weeks ago, and here they are in the playoffs. So you can never underestimate that. Um, I don't think they're going to get past Chicago, but I think they're going to give Chicago a game. But if they do, um, it's certainly not going to be easy. But again, I like the Saints' chances inside the Superdome just on the way to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. They're going to have to face a tough Khalil Mack-led Bears team. But um, if you're the Saints and you're not much has changed for the Eagles roster, of course Nick Foles has changed. But other than that, they're the same team. But if you're the Saints, what areas do you focus on if uh, going into this game if you face up against the Eagles? That's interesting because I felt like that game against the Eagles, they were really able to do pretty much whatever they wanted in terms of running the ball, passing the ball. You'd figure they would at least, uh, the Eagles would be at least more, um, I guess, prepared uh, for that aspect of it. You know, I look at the matchup with Alvin Kamara. Um, I think he's, I don't know that every team has a, a valid um, counter to Alvin Kamara. I would use him as far as his ability to get out and get out to run the ball and even get downfield in the passing game, not just running the running back routes of, you know, curls, angles, and options, maybe even running a few deep routes like he did on that fourth down play um, a couple weeks back when they played Philadelphia. I would expect if they would have faced the Eagles that Alvin Kamara would have a huge role, which he always does, but an even bigger role within the offense. Absolutely. Well, we'll see this weekend plenty of football to watch. The Seahawks take on the Cowboys Saturday at 7.15 p.m. You can catch that game on Fox. Um, Another game Sunday, January 6th, uh, Eagles at Bears. That game will be on NBC at 3.40 p.m. Sean, thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, we'll see who we play uh, next week. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
Now we welcome on Angel Gray, who is with Fox Sports Ohio. She's going to preface this uh, Cavs versus Pelicans matchup that we'll see on Saturday night. Angel, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Pretty good. Can't, can't complain. Yeah, yeah, no, can't complain at all. You know, Angel, this is your first year in Cleveland, right? You made the transition from the WNBA to the NBA. Yes, it is. What was that transition like for you? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, what has that transition been like? I uh, mean, that's almost a loaded question. Uh, just <laughs> with the shorter season, uh, when I was out in L.A., I did just home games. So that's, what, 14, 15 games that we're covering. And then, you know, someone else was covering them on the road. So 14 games for me was probably in, in one month uh, transitioning to the NBA. So um, it's, it's been a fast learning curve. Um, everyone here has been absolutely amazing. Uh, so it's, it's been easier for me to transition because everyone has been able to help with prep or the guys have been outstanding with, you know, just building the relationship with the front office as well as, you know, just the team and the PR team as well. And everyone with Fox Sports Ohio and, I have to credit to the people within the NBA that have been outstanding with, you know, reaching out to see if there's any way that they can help. So I feel like this has been a great move because of the family atmosphere that everyone has and everyone really wants to help you uh, succeed and how that looks for you helping them and vice versa. So I've, I, it's, been, it's been pretty awesome. Well, Angel, I know if it's, you're like me at all when we're traveling, sometimes I can't even remember which hotel room I'm in. I go, uh, I go into the old <laughs> hotel room from the city before. Um, does it uh, for me? It kind of gives a new appreciation and respect for those guys on the basketball court who could, you know, I'm just the I, I am a videographer and photographer, so you know, I'm just I'm carrying the camera around, but that's about as much physical uh, labor that I'm doing, you know, for these guys that have to go in and play day in and day out. Um, have you kind of gained a new respect for them oh man on game two I was like wow this is crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> um just I mean yes you get to stay in the best hotels yes you get to you know fly on the charter and all the good stuff but the, the pounding that they go through every single night facing the best competition in the world um that's intense you know and having a game plan and being focused and you know going from city to city staying hydrated taking care of your bodies understanding what you need to do as a team and learning one another that, that's not an easy task. So I've caught myself a few times about to say, wow, I'm tired. And then I look at the team and I'm like, <laughs> but I get dressed up and I sit on the sideline and talk about what they're doing. Just as you alluded to as well. And they're out there competing um, and the expectations are so high. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just they're the ones that are in the limelight and have to go out there every single day. Yes, they're living out their passions and their dreams. They get to, you know, be in their dream job and play the game of basketball, but it definitely is a pounding. And I've, I've told a few of the guys, you know, a lot of respect for my corner, and um, I definitely don't think I could do it. <laughs> Angel, you have over eight years of experience as a sports analyst. You've done play-by-play, -play, as Ashley said, uh, for the Los Angeles Sparks. But before that, you were a basketball player at Florida State University. Um, was that mm -hmm. transition from a basketball player to doing play-by-play -play and sideline reporting and things like that, was that easy for you, or was that kind of a, a big challenge for you? It was a challenge, but I do have to credit my uh, – School, Florida State University has one of the best communications programs um, in the country. And who <laughs> notes to my coaches, I actually took an internship uh, with the news station 
my senior year. Of course, you only have like one or two classes just to finish out. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to uh, pick up just an internship and be in a class that allowed me to get great uh, experience with building my own packages, you know, setting up the interviews, editing that one man band. I'm pretty sure you've heard of that Mm -hmm. before. Just understanding that you do everything. And they taught me that. And I've probably missed out on a lot of sleep, but when you're doing what you want to do and you know it's going to set you up for the future, you just kind of go with it. It's fun. It pushes you through. So I was able to learn a lot from that point, and then I got an internship with Fox Sports Florida Sun Sports um, because of the ACC postgraduate um, program um, that I was picked for, and from that point, I learned so much as an intern, as a production assistant intern at that I was able to just plug away, and they saw how hard I was working, and um, I told them about how I wanted to be in front of the camera. And, yes, I did a lot of work of producing different shows and everything for them with the Magic, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Lightning, um, whatever, you know, it came down to even college sports. And they allowed me to do three um, packages for them as talent. And then from that point on, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. So I think the little things that have allowed me to uh, be where I am today It was definitely the exposure as far as being an athlete to have the connections with the news station to get that internship. And then also with the ACC, uh, allowing me to do that internship with Fox Sports that really really catapulted my career. Well, we definitely respect uh, not only playing basketball, but going through the internship and, and all of those things. Your work ethic has to be pretty, uh, pretty up there with the greats. So much respect coming from us, too. Thank you. Um, so let's get into this Cavs versus Pelicans matchup a little bit. Uh, Angel, the Cavs, unfortunately, have been pretty plagued with injuries so far this season. This season, Can you kind of take us through the timetable of the injuries that's when they started and kind of how they're tapering off a little bit now? Whew. Well, we can go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> follow me there. Uh, it started, I mean, when you lose your, you know, all-star and Kevin Love, of course, um, that's something that you don't want. I mean, such a remarkable player um, was averaging a double-double, you know, um, when he went out. And that was at the end of October. And so he's missed, you know, a great deal of games. But then, as you said, the amount of, you know, injuries that we had with that, then JR, then we had other players and, uh, you know, being traded. So this team, this team has gone through a lot with injuries with that. But um, we're leading the NBA as well as with different lineups starting lineups I think we're at 16 at this point but the one thing that I do credit this team for is always finding a way um, to just not make excuses I think uh, Channing Fry post game I think we had a uh, game in Miami and he just talked about what this year is for the Cavs it's a rebuilding year you know you lose the greatest player um, arguably in the world and you know how he you know really built a foundation for what he wanted to win the championship in 2016 and even go to the finals of last year. So things have changed. The injuries, you know, being there have changed things as well. So um, they're moving in the, the youth department and just saying, okay, we have the youth here. We have a solid group of veterans. They're meshing well. Um, but every single night they're playing hard. It's just can they sustain it? And it's hard not to – it's hard to sustain it when you don't have as much manpower. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, uh, the last game we got Tristan Thompson back. Um, and Rodney Hood back, and those are our top leading scores uh, for those, for that game, even though we lost um, in that matchup as well. So at this point, um, it's, it's hopefully coming back together, hopefully getting David Nawaba back on the floor, um, which is a, a workhorse for Larry Drew as well. And um, just seeing when Kevin Love, who uh, just 
went to the doctors um, and got reevaluated in New York um, yesterday. So we'll see how he goes with recovery and treatment, and hopefully we get him back, you know, relatively soon. So the Pelicans have also been plagued with the injury bug this season. Also lately, some sort of illness bug. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what it is. The kids keep passing around to their dads who keep passing it around to everyone else. <laughs> but um, what does this ca- uh, Cleveland uh, team have to do coming into the Pelicans game off a of back-to-back? Pelicans are, are coming in with a little bit of rest under the, under their shoulders. What does, you know, when you look at this matchup, what does that Cleveland team have to do to stop guys like an Anthony Davis? I think it was very uh, interesting to hear Larry Drew talk about his team in the previous game. They had to have a different approach and just be grimy and just be, you know, dirty on the floor and just beating people defensively. I mean, New Orleans is second in the league in points per game, and they're also, you know, sixth in rebounds per game as well. So this team is firing on all cylinders. I mean, if you're even looking at Anthony Davis, he is an elite uh, center guard, whatever he is, he wants to be at the time, you know, for this league. So um, it's going to take a team effort. And I think when you realize, you know, who you're going up against, it's just not him, the solid group with a lot of depth. I think it starts defensively. Communication has to be there. Um, and then also understanding how to uh, manufacture some, some, some offense for their side as well. So, I think it has to be a balanced approach, but it definitely starts with the defensive end, and it has to be not just one or two players, but a team effort, especially when you're taking on Anthony Davis. I know I'm definitely looking forward to the matchup of Colin Sexton possibly going against Drew Holiday, who was first team all defense Mm -hmm. last year. And then you have Colin Sexton, who is the the Cavs um, draft pick this year, who's been playing pretty well for the Cavs. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this matchup between him and Drew Holiday. I think it'll be very interesting. Just a fun story. Um, I've always respected the holidays, and it's pretty awesome that they have, you know, three brothers mm-hmm. in the NBA that are competing on a high level and got to meet their parents um, uh, in L.A. because I covered their daughter, Lauren Holiday while she was at UCLA. Awesome. So I got to see the guys up there and how they work together as well. But um, it all starts with defense on their side, right, and mm-hmm. how they, you know, bring so much energy for their team. So it's, it'll be interesting to see if that's the matchup, how Colin Sexton handles it. But Colin Sexton, um, just from me being a witness of him, he's fearless. And each day he's learning something new. I think Matthew Delavadova has been a great mentor to him with just understanding when and where um, to make plays for his teammates, how he can search for his own shot. I think he's grown with each game. I think that his confidence um, is unwavering. And I think uh, he continues to find uh, spots on the floor where he's like, okay, this is my shot. This is where I can be a threat on the floor. But um, he's quickly um finding his groove and he has a lot of people in his corner and a a, a lot of times uh, we'll we'll look at the other side and say defensively who are you going up against but he never wavers whether it's you know a Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook or whoever it may be he's always up for the challenge so I know with Drew Holiday on the other side it's, it's definitely a challenge but obviously one as well that I'm looking forward to. Well, Angel, well, we won't see you this time around uh, on Saturday in the Quicken Loans Arena for the Pelicans game, but we will see you when you come to New Orleans when the Cavs come here to the Smoothie King Center on Wednesday, January 9th for that tip-off at 7 p.m. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Is that your first trip to New Orleans, or have you been here before? Oh, my goodness. I've been to New Orleans so much just with covering uh, Tulane. I remember being at Tulane covering women's basketball there probably three, four times last season, so... I know where Cafe Dumont is, <laughs> where all the good spots are for the uh, 
world oysters. So uh, definitely, uh, if you have any suggestions, let me know. But I am no stranger to beautiful New Orleans. We'll make a list for you. Angel, thank you so much for, for joining us on today's show. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. Well, that will do it for today's episode of the Black and Blue Report. But before we go, we just want to remind everyone to be sure to watch the football and basketball that we have going on this weekend. Again, the Seahawks versus Cowboys matchup. That'll be on Fox at 7.15 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday. And then the Pelicans, of course, do a dual screen to watch the Pelicans take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. That game will tip off at uh, 6.30, excuse me, 7 p.m., can watch that on Fox Sports New Orleans or as always listen in to Daniel Salerson and Sean Kelly on 99.5 WRNO and then on Sunday you can tune in to more football the Eagles at Bears that game will be on NBC at 3 40 p.m. for Ashley Amos and for Caroline Gonzalez that is all for today's episode of the Black and Blue Report presented by CP we'll see you next week